Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lauren.Live, the spirituality and health podcast. I've got Dr. Lottie with me. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm really happy to have you on the show. We have a lot to chat about. Um, so Dr. Lottie is known as the intuitive physician, which I love that nickname, that name. Um, and she is a naturopathic um, medical doctor, an author, a speaker. Um, she's had two near-death experiences, um, medium ancestral healer. I mean, wow, we have a lot to chat about and really cool. She um, was led to, you can tell us about this, but you were kind of, I don't know if it was a channeled in or you were um, told to go into medical school and you got accepted at the age of 54. That's incredible. So um Tell us about yourself and how did you get into the medical field, but yet you have a spiritual, more natural approach. Yeah, it is. It is a unique background story just to um, uh, wrap it up quickly, because otherwise we're going to spend the whole hour <laughs> talking about the near death experience, sure. <laughs> but uh, I'll try and get through them in, in a shorter amount of time. But I grew up in Europe, in Sweden, uh, which is in uh, Northern Europe. And I moved to the United States when I was 21. I married an American and my father was a general practitioner and I was the fourth kid. I had three older brothers. My mom went back to work when I was 12 and she became a hospital floor administrator. But all my parents' friends were doctors and nurses. So I kind of grew up in, a, in an environment where they always talked about medicine. And I always wanted to be a doctor, but I, I didn't listen to my heart. <laughs> I, I listened to my mind, which is what I tell people now don't listen to your mind. It's just going to tell you to not do something. So, you know, stick with the heart and the feeling you have in your heart. So for many years, I, I just did not follow my heart. And I went, uh, I married an American. I went to school in Boston and graduated, became a programmer systems analyst, worked for IBM in Westchester County, New York, a very logical person. And then I had, after I had my third child, I hemorrhaged to death in the uh, emergency room. So I had, that was the fifth time I hemorrhaged. I was hemorrhaging for three days. I had gone to the ER and sent home. I went to the doctor, got sent home. And it was in 1992. So I guess they didn't do tests back then. I'm not sure why there were no lab tests or ultrasound or anything that could you know show signs that maybe there was an infection going on. So I was just told, oh, it was just a second lining that came out you know, from, from the birth. So um, after 10 days, I started hemorrhaging and I hemorrhaged that day, the 11th day, the 12th day, went back to the ER. And this time, so here I am, this very logical programmer systems analyst background. I didn't believe in angels. I didn't believe in religion. I didn't believe in afterlife, spirit world. Uh, I thought that when you die, everything is black and that's it. And if anybody was going to prove something else to me, they would have to, you know, prove that to me that 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 could be true. So I didn't have any beliefs. And here I am in the ER and I started hemorrhaging, you know, large amounts of blood. And um, they called in all the people in the ER, you know, so all of a sudden all, all these people and they're tipping my table backwards. My head is going down. My feet are going up. They're trying to place an IV, the nurse on my left arm and, she can't get in, but that's because my veins were already collapsing because now I'm going into shock. And that's why if you go to the ER today, many times they place an IV and you just get 
you know, fluid water. Mm-hmm. And it's because if something happens to you, they have access to your veins. So now they can just inject the medication. But this is 1992. So there was no IV place, nothing. I'm just lying there hemorrhaging. So as she's, as she's trying to put the IV in, the nurse on my right is putting my blood pressure. And she yells out, 50 over 15, hurry. And at this point, I mean, I feel like I'm just falling, like I jumped out of an airplane without a parachute or in an elevator that just you know, plunges through the shaft. And it is shortly after she yells 50 over 15 that I become aware of the fact that I'm dying. And it's very different from situations that you're in when you're thinking you're going to die. So this third child was born between a 7.4 and a 7.2 earthquake. And wow. my labor actually stopped. And I, I was, we lived in, um, in Southern California at the time. And my the earthquake was so bad that my labor actually stopped. And then I hemorrhaged after birth as well. And they kept me in the hospital an extra day. We lost all the power in the hospital. All the instruments were levitating off. They were holding me on the table. So that's how this whole thing started. And then I, now I'm hemorrhaging, I'm back in the ER and it's now, so at that point during that earthquake is, you know, I thought, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. We're going to die. You know, do you have that, you know, your life sort of flashes before your eyes or like people who have almost been in a car accident and they say, Oh my gosh, I thought that was it. Right. But this was different because I knew that I was dying. It's like the knowledge that I was dying. And it was shortly after that, that I was just sucked out of my body. So here I am now a couple of feet above my body, but as I'm in this space, the first thing I notice is how can I be outside my body and still be me? So for someone who did not believe in anything that was you know, a pure shock in itself. Like, how, how can this be? But there was also a knowing that I belonged to that body down there, just like you belong, you know, that's your car. You get in and out of your car. You go into the grocery store, you go back to your car. You step in and out of that car. It was like the soul stepped outside the body, but I lived down there in that body. <laughs> so then there was also this knowing of, um, there was no time on the other side. So there was access to past, present and future. And then this, you know, the, the peace there, there's no, um, there's just like unconditional love and peace. You feel very, uh, you know, at home, so to speak, when you're in this state, there is no fear or anything. It's just, wow, this is nice. And then I got sucked back in. So then what happened is as soon as the next day and I'm struggling with what was that? How could I be outside my body? And that was so real. It was realer than real. And, you know, my logical mind is trying to reason as I'm lying in this hospital bed that maybe there was some kind of hallucination. Maybe this is what happens when you have lack of oxygen in your brain that, you know, you can't, you can't step out of your body because that was my belief. So I totally try to push it down and, and reason with that. And then I hear my sister-in-law in the left corner of my ceiling that passed away 10 days earlier from lung cancer. And she says, everything's going to be okay. And I, now I'm like, I'm hearing my sister-in-law. I thought I was outside my body yesterday. This can't be like, I'm losing my mind. I can't tell anybody about this because they're going to lock me up. I'm never going to see my children again. And there was this tremendous fear inside of me that, you know, this, this just can't be. 
So then, uh, so I, then with that, I started hearing the spirit world and like a year later, my uncle passed away and he was in Sweden and I'm in the United States and it was my, my mom's brother and he had been sick for a while. You know, it's like these people can, he made that lung cancer for several years and I had no idea, you know, if he was going to die that year or three years from now, I, I had no idea. But one night I woke up and I knew it was my uncle at the end of the bed. And he said, I'm, I've transitioned. I'm on the other side. I just came to say goodbye. And you know, I wished him well on the other side. And again, you know, I'm seeing on hearing all these things. And then I figured my mom was going to call me the next day and tell me, cause it's her brother, but she didn't call. And I thought it was so strange. And, you know, am I hallucinating what's going on? And then in second day went by, no call. Third day, my mom finally calls. And then she does her normal little chat of checking in. How, how are the kids? You know, like a good mom. And then finally she says, I have something sad to tell you. And I said, yeah, I know. Your brother passed away three days ago. And she was just quiet. And she said, how did you know? And I said, he was here. So it's it, that's how it started. And then all the usual things that happen to people that have these types of experiences is my watches would stop ticking, the television turned on, it's like all this electrical craziness. And it's almost like we're not the polarities or something are changing as we're coming back into the body. So then I get really sick. So I'm really sick for the first year. And um, I have something called like bone marrow suppression. So I had a suppression on my platelets, I had a suppression on my white blood cells, my red blood cells. So I'm really tired and I get sick easily and I bruise easily. So that went on. And now I'm two years out of this birth and I'm still, you know, I'm hearing things and seeing things before they happen. And uh, all that clairvoyance, clairaudience and clairsentience starts coming in. And then I always joke that they didn't get the full effect of the first NDE. So they had to do it the second time. (laughs) So I'm going, I'm, I'm raising my kids. And if I put my knee on the floor, I get a big bruise on my knee just from tying my kids shoes. Any, any little um, instance, I would get a bruise. And I would have pneumonia like twice a year and I would switch doctors because I, I figured I'm getting better. I don't want any of those crazy medications. And I had pneumonia and then the dog, I got worse and worse. And after eight days on antibiotics, I went back to the doctor and they said, why are you so sick? And, um, and they took a blood test and they came back in and they said, do you have leukemia or AIDS? And I said, well, I, I don't have AIDS. And I told them, you know, I had hemorrhage to death basically. And I refused the blood transfusion unless it was absolutely necessary because it was the AIDS mm. uh, epidemic back then. And people would get AIDS from the blood transfusions. And I had three little kids under the age of six. And I said, if I can, if, if I can make the blood, then, you know, let me make my own blood. And so I was basically sick for like three months right after my first NDE because I didn't have any blood and my head would just pound and I was lying under, you know, wool blankets in Huntington beach, California in July (laughs) because I was so cold. My hands and feet were ice cold. So it took uh, a good three months before I could even sit up. And then we had the whole thing with pneumonia and it said, Oh, do you have AIDS or leukemia? And then now it's 11 months out and um, I get pneumonia again and it's May and I'm living in California. So, you know, the doctors were like, it's something is really wrong with you, but 
my husband's company had gotten bought and he had taken out of jobs and we were on the that wait period of three months. And I said, well, we are getting insurance in July and now it's May. I've made it through 11 months and I'm getting better as, as crazy as this is. I've actually drove myself here in the beginning. I couldn't even leave the house. It took me six months to even be able to leave the house and go get milk. So it was a, a very slow progression. And then now I'm two years out. And during this whole period where I'm bruising, I'm tired, I get pneumonia, I keep feeling like my body, uh, my soul is separating from my body and it keeps wanting to leave. And it's always like I'm holding on to it. No, 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 you can't leave. You've got to stay here. We've got kids to race. And um, at one point, so at, like many nights, I would just wake up and my head would be pounding because I have so little blood in my body, take my head off the pillow and pull my legs up um, just to, you know, get more blood in my in circulation in my head. But so this night I wake up, my head is pounding. I take my head off the pillow and that's it. I'm ripped out of my soul. It's just like gone. So there was no chance to hold on to it. And so the question, you know, I struggled for a long time saying, well, is this a near death experience? I wasn't in the ER. We don't have any scientific evidence to that. That's what it is. But now after you know 30 years of, of researching this and, and speaking at conferences, it doesn't matter what if it's a near death experience or a spiritually transformative experience because they're very similar and it doesn't really matter because it isn't it isn't what you know, happened. It is what happens inside of you as a result of having that, those types of experiences. And there are people that have spiritually transformative experiences driving home from work in their car. And all of a sudden, like the heavens open up or something. Right. So these things can just happen to us because we are spiritual creatures. But during this second um, NDE, well, I just get sucked out of my body and I just tumble through darkness. There's no tunnel of light. And I end up what I call the mid station because there was an awareness that there were floors above me and floors below me. Like you go into a skyscraper and push, you know, the 50th floor and there's a hundred floors in that building. So um, I have that awareness, but then as I sort of land in this place, I hear the most beautiful music. This, you can't make this music on the earth plane. And I spent days at the synthesizer we had you know, probably over 200 sounds trying to find at least one sound that can even close to what I had heard, but nothing, nothing comes close to that sound. So I hear this most beautiful music and what do I see? I see a log cabin. And I think this is so funny because people see fields of flowers or they're met by their, you know, their grandpa or their mom and dad. No, I see a log cabin. So I'm thinking the music must be coming from the log cabin. So I open the door, I look inside, it's empty. So then I look to my left. It's the same log camp, log cabin, just a mirror image of the other one. I open the door, look inside. It's empty. So then as I'm listening to this beautiful music, I became aware of this growing light, a white light that comes behind me. As I'm rotating my and my my spirit, because I don't have a body in space, there you it's like you become emerged in this white light so imagine standing in the spotlight at a at an um car ship like a car dealer like a dealership and they have those bright spotlights so it's kind of like that but the light is kind of everywhere and you just get submerged in it or enveloped in this light 
but the music is coming from the light. And mm. in the light, there is an outline of angels and the music is coming from the angels. But I don't believe in angels, but this is what I'm seeing. So I'm still trying to put my first near-death experience into context. And I'm still thinking that it was some form of a hallucination or the brain does something I could not understand you know, what had happened. So here I am seeing angels and being, you know, enveloped in this light. And it's like, you are with source at this point. So you know that you are with source. You can call it God. You can call it whatever you want, but that is what, who we are. We come from that light. We are part of that light. We carry that light within us. We are one with that light. And then I become aware of two spirit uh, guides or spirit entities and the one on my right says to the other spirit guide, what is she doing here? She can't be here. She has to go back. And I'm like, no, no, no. Wait a second. How can I be outside my body and still be me? And then this uh, spirit guide on my left says, if I told you, you wouldn't remember, but you will remember this. And then it was like I was standing on the moon looking down at the earth, but then around the earth, there was what I called you know, back then a silvery glittery fishnet because I grew up in Sweden laying fishnets in the ocean, rowing the boat from my grandma. And when she lifted those fishnets out of the ocean in the early morning and the sun would hit the water droplets, it would sort of sparkle. And that's what it looked like to me because we didn't have the internet back then. You couldn't Google the grid around the earth. Now you can just Google it. And so that's what it looked like. And then he said, everything on earth is connected to each other. And everything on earth is connected up to this grid. Mm. And with that knowledge, I got sent back. And that experience is really what activated my life path. So everything that I do now, now I understand the interconnectedness, um, working with people and, you know, going to med school and that how divinely we are interconnected to each other, uh, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And, you know, also through our ancestors and our own past lives. And it's just this big, uh, you know, spider web or whatever you want to call it. That's all interwoven. And we are all connected to, to each other while we're here on the earth plane as well. But after these experiences, um, I became more and more clairvoyant and clairaudient and clairsentient. And I started um, seeing things before they happened. And I would say that the kids were going to be in an accident and this is going to happen. And this person is sick. I got to call, you know, your sister, my sister-in-law. And so it just became more and more and more. And after 12 years of getting these messages and in the beginning, I would have to write things down because I figured that was just a deja vu. It was just a coincidence. It was just my mind playing tricks on me. And after, you know, writing things down and things playing out and telling my kids about the accident, we're going to be in an accident. Sure enough, 10 days later, here we are. And all the things that played out. So now I started to understand that when I get those messages, though, that is the connection to the spirit world. And so to tie in how I ended up going to medical school was, so after 12 years of this, I now learned to trust in the spirit. And when I get a message, I better listen. So I was on the computer and I was looking to see if I, you know, I need to go back to work. But I, at this point, I knew I wasn't supposed to be a programmer or working in technology. I needed to, you know, work with people and heal people of some sort. So I'm on the computer and I find this school and it says naturopathic physician. 
And I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. You know, you learn acupuncture and you learn homeopathy, botanical medicine, but you still learn pharmaceutical, you know, how to use pharmaceuticals. So, and then I realized it was a real medical school. And I said, I can't do that. Oh my gosh. I, you know, this I'm, you know, 44 or something now I can't go to medical school. This is, you know, I, I, there's no guarantee. First I have to do all the prereqs, uh, you know, chemistry and the old chem and physics and the math and all that. And then who's going to accept, you know, somebody that's older into med school. And then I closed the computer and I said, I'm just going to have to keep looking. I'll find something else. And as I'm leaving the living room and going to the kitchen, uh, a spirit guide drops in and he gives me, you know, three messages basically. And he says, you have to go to medical school and become a doctor. You have to become a naturopathic physician. You have to write two books. No, wait, three. And you are to combine East and West, which is kind of like old and new, but that is what I understood is kind of naturopathic medicine because it's kind of old Chinese medicine mixed with new uh, pharmaceutical medicine. And I'm to bring, you know, messages to people and healing to the people. And I literally was enrolled in, in the prereqs within a week or two. I was already taking my first classes and I didn't even have high school biology because I went to high school in Europe. And so I had transferred in as a sophomore to Boston university. So I didn't even have those classes. So I had to take advanced placement, high school biology before I could even take freshman biology. So I really had to start from the beginning, but that message of, uh, to write two books in a way three, I have gotten that same message from two professional mediums in England and two professional mediums in the United States. And the message is always the same. And they'll say, Oh, I have your mother with me. And she tells me that you are to write two books. Now wait three. Mm. And that is the exact same message I received from the beginning. So I've only written my first book, um, which was published um, in November of 2019. And that book is um, the it's this one med school after menopause, Mm. the journey of my soul. And it's really about um, transformation and helping people find their way through life. And uh, it won an award as well. I won first place in a spiritual leadership category because it's all, the book is all about helping other people find their way through life um, to teach them to listen to their heart, not their mind. Uh, how to bring out their own intuition by sharing a lot of my own stories of how my own intuition developed and what I did to start listening to that. So it's to help other people make a transformation and follow their heart and know that it's never too late to change your life. That's really cool. I'm getting that book for my mom. Yeah. (laughs) She needs needs some of that. Um, Wow. What a story. Thank you for sharing. That is incredible. I've noticed a theme. A lot of people that have experienced near-death experiences, um, it was like they had to have that to shake them up. And and a lot of the people were skeptical before, and then the clairvoyant stuff comes after that. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it's too... um when I have worked, so I trained as a medium in England at Arthur Finley College, which is a world-renowned school. A lot of famous mediums have trained there. And when I started training there, they said, I said, well, you know, it got activated off Mandy. And they said, no, you were born with it. And I said, no, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they said, yes, you were. Mm-hmm. And then they said, start thinking back to your childhood. And 
um, then I was, you know, realized that, oh yeah, I remember seeing the energy field around the flowers and telling my friend, you know, look at the energy field on the, around the flowers. And she'd say, what energy field, what are you looking at? Mm. Right. And it's the funny part is that now she's also a, fam- a medium. So, <laughs> but wow. it's, it's what, you know, I saw things around, I saw the aura around people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would see um, spirits in the, in the candle flame and things like that. And, but as a child, you think that everybody does it. And so, and then you tell your friend and then they can't see it. And so you're right. Well, okay. Well, that's not true then. Mm-hmm. So you stop sharing it. Right. So it was always there. But then, you know, the scientific, I was raised in a very scientific household. And even though my dad had grown up going to Sunday school since he was three, um, he never took us to church. And, but I was confirmed in Sweden as a Lutheran when I was 14. Everybody got confirmed back then. It was almost a sin if you didn't. So, but I didn't believe in any of it. I did. I, I just did it because all my friends did it and I was supposed to do it kind of thing, but I didn't believe in anything that was spiritual. I didn't believe in the afterlife or any higher power or anything. So that's incredible. Wow. Well, so okay. Now you have the mixture. I mean, you were kind of already did with the scientific and the medical and the spiritual. So how have you incorporated that in your practice? Like when you've seen people, um, do you get messages sometimes of like what's going on with their health? Like, do you get some clairvoyant information? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it started, it's so, so, so interesting. So then I finally go to med school and I get to med school and I'm like, hello, spirit world. I'm here. And what, what now? Mm-hmm. And it's just, just finish your degree. I thought I had lost my mind four years of just finish, just finish your degree. Just focus on your degree, focus on passing your boards. And it wasn't until I graduated. I took my boards in August and in September, all of a sudden, here comes the next phase. You have to go study at Arthur Finley College. I was met this woman who happened to be a medium at a conference who basically said, you know, I'm a medium. Um, yeah, you know, I think I have somebody here that wants to get a message to you. And I was like, thinking there's no way she's going to be able to tell me anything. And this is right. I mean, this is only in 2016. And sure enough, she said, oh, you know, she proved that it was my mom and I grew up fishing in Europe and all of that. And three times she kept saying, your mom is telling me you have to go to Arthur Finley College. And I'm like, I can't do that. I just graduated. I just took the boards. I'm getting my license in in three weeks if I pass my boards, which I did. And sure enough, after three times of you have to go, you have to go. I said, "Okay, I will figure out a way to go. And six months later, I was at Arthur Finley College. So, and with that, uh, you know, comes the development of mediumship. And as soon as, as soon as I stepped into that, I started getting messages about my patients. You know, somebody would come in and I would hear what was wrong with them, even though I've never seen them before. So, you know, I started listening and following that and said, hey, you know, why don't we do some labs on on this issue? Because I'm here in the spirit world, even though, there's really nothing that would say for me to do that, right? So that's how it started. And then I studied mediumship um, at Arthur Finley College. And then I started working as a professional medium um, here in the United States. And then that then developed into a medical intuitive. So most of the things that I do now, I still do readings, like uh, mediumship, straightforward mediumship or psychic readings for people. But uh, I do a lot of medical intuitive because I know that I incarnated as a healer. Mm -hmm. 
And I am a, like, if anybody knows numerology, I'm a life path 11, master life path number 11, which is basically you incarnated as a healer and everything in my, you know, my charts and numerology, that's your, that's what you're here to do. But now I understand also why I had to go through all of that, because there's no way I would have gone to medical school and become a medium and now work as a healer to help other people heal, whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually. So now I actually divide my time. I work as a physician two or three days a week, and I work spiritually with people two or three days a week, because it's the only way that I can incorporate all of what I have been sort of guided to do. And the interesting part is that, you know, when you see or hear somebody and then you feel called to, that's the person that can help me. Like you just have this, you resonate with someone and you know that they got some information for you. And I often get those people as a medical intuitive. And sometimes, sometimes people show up on my screen and I'll say, do you have this blah, blah, blah. And then they'll look at me and say, I don't know. Nobody ever told me that. And I said, well, do you have all these symptoms that go along with this disease? Because that's the medical training that comes in because I'll hear the diagnosis. And then they'll say, yes, how did you know? And I said, I don't know, because that's why you, you showed up on my screen today. Yeah. Uh, so I work you know, on Zoom with these people. But it's fascinating because it's always something that many times it's something that if, uh, like are missed easily in the medic in the Western medicine. We think of Western medicine as, um, you know, if I get sick, you know, I'm going to go to the hospital or I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to fix me. There are so many conditions that we, that we really don't know how to fix. Right. And you don't understand that until you go through medical school and then you say, wow, I thought I was going to be so much smarter and that we would have answers to all these, you know, conditions that people have. So Western medicine is really good at acute conditions there. You know, if you get you know, in a car accident, you have a heart attack, you go to the ER, you know, chances are they're going to save your life. They're very good at saving people's lives and stabilizing a condition. But when it comes to a lot of other um, conditions, chronic conditions that people struggle with for years and they can be really sick, Western medicine is not that great. Yeah. Um, and it takes, it takes somebody who, who knows both sides, um, you know, the kind of homeopathy, it, you either have to have three different doctors or you have to have an acupuncturist, a homeopathist, a naturopath and a regular Western doctor to sort of get the whole package because each of the physicians also are very specialized today because it's too much information. And so you become a general practitioner when you go through medical school. So I'm considered a general, uh, you know, PCP practitioner here in Arizona, even though I'm a naturopathic doctor, because we're trained to, well, if they have this condition, then you send them to a specialist, right? Because then, or the ER or something, but the chronic conditions are, are not uh, easily to easy to diagnose. And we often don't have good tests for a lot of things. And people think that, you know, if you see a test now we have the long COVID yeah. people who were super healthy and they, you know, they might only be in their thirties and they were super healthy and all of a sudden they have COVID and now they're so sick. They can barely even work. Mm. And then they go to the doctor, they run the blood tests and then the blood tests come back normal because we don't have the blood tests for long COVID yet. We don't even know what it is that we're looking for. Right. And people have, they come down with weird symptoms. Like, you know, they, they start getting dizzy and they start having, there's an influx of people who have uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia or POTS that have had COVID um, or, you know, there's things that, you know, that are rising to the surface, mm. so to speak, but we, 
so it's, it's helping because people don't really know how to treat many of these conditions, but now because of COVID, hopefully we'll get more research money. But many times when people show up to work with me when I work as a medical intuitive, there's always something that somehow I know about because that's why they were guided to see me. And it will always be some obscure condition. And I think that's also the incarnation of growing up in a family with um, a dad who was a general practitioner. My dad really cared about his patients and he was always talking about medicine or this person has this condition, you know, I wouldn't know who it was because it wouldn't say the name, but a woman has this condition and you know, it's, it's not what, what other doctors are thinking is something different. And so I grew up with all these conversations of sort of thinking outside the box and then my own unique journey with healing and working with the spirit world. So now when I work as a medical intuitive, I actually work with my spirit guides. And I think many times it's my dad that comes in um, and says, Oh no, it's not that, that <laughs> because they know everything on the other side. Right. And when I work with people, yeah, many times I feel it in my body, whether I'm doing a mediumship reading or whether I'm working with as a medical intuitive and I'll feel um, the density. Like I worked with someone last week and I said, there is like a density in your, in your breasts. But then you're, when I go down, it's like your digestion is off and it's almost like either you either had breast cancer or you're going through like breast cancer. Cause there's some drug that's making me feel toxic. Mm. Um, but there is also a density in your breast and she had like a precancerous condition and she was given um, like a chemo tablets kind of to um, help with that condition. So it's really interesting how, so that's the spirit world because the spirit world will put the feeling in my body, whether I'm working as a medium or if I'm working as a medical intuitive and it's now it has come together and been, become integrated because now I understand why I had to go to medical school because I needed that knowledge to work with people spiritually so that I can help them um, find treatment, you know, in their state or find the right doctors because many times people don't even know how to get treatment. And there are times I say, no, this is, you actually need surgery, but you need a very specific surgeon to treat your condition. And sure enough, like they'll email me back and say, I, this is amazing. I, it's not, I've been sick for you know 15 years and now I had surgery and it's been corrected and mm. I am having a life for, my, for the first time. And it's just heartwarming. It's just, you know, and it's interesting because I think when, we come to that point where we've been sick for many years. We've been around the block. We've tried everything. We don't know where to turn. Where do we turn? We turn to somebody like a medical intuitive or somebody for spiritual health because we don't know how to, we've, we've exhausted the, the Western medical treatments. Right. So, so to me, it's just now I understand why I had to have the experience, why I had to get the degree because that, that is my path. And now, you know, have learned that I'm a healer. So just helping people heal spiritually, uh, you know, energetically, emotionally, and physically um, by combining all the different uh, trainings that I have. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I love the connection and, you know, it is fascinating. Like our, we're physically here, this physical experience. So, so much comes with that, right? Like feeling things in our body mm -hmm. and illnesses and experiences. You went through two really crazy ones yourself, mm -hmm. but then how that's related spiritually in the lessons and, and maybe where that will lead you in your life. But wow, there's a lot of us, 
a lot of people learning lessons because chronic illness is very apparent, obviously. And that's what I always say too. Like I just really believe not to put down the medical system. They're good at saving lives. They're good at repairing Mm -hmm. limbs and surgeries. And there's been some amazing advancements in healthcare. It's not to discredit, but the chronic illness is very hard. And it it just, Mm -hmm. we're more in a treatment, not prevention mindset. So I love that you're able to get some excess, you know, yeah. <laughs> knowledge to help because it's hard. And, um, I, I, I love the work that you're doing. That's really cool that you're able to help people with your gifts. Um, gosh, um, why do you think we have these, what's the purpose? I mean, I kind of have my own theory, but like, what's the purposes of us being here and having to go through this physical it's not just health and your body. It's also just other things that are happening physically. But you said like, we all have it within. I've heard that before too. And I Mm -hmm. believe that we have source within and we all have these gifts. Just some of us have, maybe have a thicker veil. Right. (laughs) But, um, like what is the purpose of, of pain and sickness and some of these physical things that we're going through here on earth? I mean, the way I look at my life and all the, the, you know, it took me 12 years to get well. I was really sick for six years, basically uh, the rest of my thirties. You know, I gave birth to my daughter when she was 34 and I was 40 by the time I could walk through a grocery store without passing out. Um, so, and people would come up to me in the grocery store. Oh my God, you're so pale. Are you going to pass out? And I'm thinking, no, no, no. I got like a good minute or two, right? And I would have to sit down, put my head down in the grocery store because I would literally pass out. That whole phase took a good six years to get out of that. And then it was another six years of thinking, I don't think I'm ever going to be normal again. And then after 12 years, it was all of a sudden, it was, I called my friend and I said, this is it. I did it. I healed. I feel normal. And then spirit drops in and says, you have to go to medical school. And I'm like, it all happened. Like within one month, I told my friend and then was, I was in prereqs, uh, enrolled in that local college. But, um, I think that the reason, you know, the, when you look at why I talk about it in my book and I say, imagine you're sitting up there in the spirit world and you're thinking, well, I'll take, uh, use my like sticky notepad here. I'll take this ticket and, you know, I'll stick it on me. And I was like, that's going to be, I'm going to be sick for a while. And then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to marry the wrong person. So I'm going to end up in a divorce and I'm going to have, um, uh, you know, I'm going to have all these other issues. Uh, let's say I have a gluten intolerance and stick all these notes on. And then finally you're like, well, this is going to be so easy. And you collect all your sticky notes, you put them in your little backpack and then you fly down into earth and you fly into the womb and you're okay. I'm here. Now you don't remember this little backpack of all your sticky notes that you said was going to be so easy to, to solve here on earth. So as you go through life, you pull out these sticky notes. So let's say you got this sticky note and you're thinking, wow, I really married the wrong person. And, you know, I got I got to get a divorce. This is not right. You get a divorce and then you're like, okay, I did that. Let me take my sticky note off. It's not coming off. So now you marry the, the second person. And then you realize that the second person you married is the same Um, kind of personality as the first one. So you are still stuck in that energetic loop. You have not 
resolved that problem. You divorced, but you didn't understand why it was wrong, right? And so you go back and you do you repeat that pattern again. Some people repeat that pattern you know, three or four times until they finally figure out, oh my gosh, each person has been the same one. Then they get rid of that sticky note mm. and then they can rip that up and they go on and now they have another sticky note to resolve, right? Now they're dealing with maybe physical issues. So these when we um, when we incarnate, we go through these, um, I call them the energetic loops, mm-hmm. but it's also, I work a lot with ancestral healing. I'm actually trained in a counseling method that's called ancestral healing. I trained under Mark Lynn, who wrote the book, uh, It Didn't Start With You. I think that was the name of, of the book. And now I've developed um, my, the first one in a series. Um, it's called uh, Ancestral Healing with Hemisync. So it looks like this. And this just came out in July of 2022 and it's healing your ancestral mother wound. And it has four tracks. And I take you on a whole journey and meditation and shamanic journey to help you um, see what those problems are. So when you incarnate and you have these issues, the reason I'm bringing up ancestral healing is because whatever wasn't resolved by your ancestors, guess what? That sticky note that note that they didn't resolve, they said, oh, I can't solve this problem, honey. So guess what? I'll put it in your bucket. So now you got their sticky note too, where the issues they couldn't resolve. And this is how, you know, in my own near-death experience, I understood that we were all connected to each other. But now I understand that on a, on a way different uh, level because I, you see when you work with it and you work with people and you work as a healer or a physician, you see the patterns repeated. And I worked with people spiritually, not only do they get even the same disease. Now, these are diseases that are not typically a genetic component to it. And so it's even more interesting because you can say, oh, it's a genetic component, but they also get sick at the exact same age. Mm. So if it's the daughter, she gets the exact same disease at the exact same age the mother did. The, her father dies when the mother is 40. She has a divorce when she's 40. So they're both left by their men in different ways at the exact same age. And all these patterns, they just repeat within the families. And so as we, you know, when you start looking at the big picture, we incarnate into these soul families. And then we, we'd say, well, I'll take, I'll take those sticky notes or whatever tickets, you know, maybe that ticket of, marrying the wrong person is number 363. So you say, I'll, I'll take 363 and then I'll do a, you know, number uh, 435 for the gluten intolerance. And you put all these little things in your bag. And then as you're going through life, you're, you're thinking, why am I in so much pain? Why is there so much suffering? You know, where am I ever going to get well, or is life ever going to be good? But if you look at it, take a step back and say, okay, so I, I incarnated to have these experiences. And eventually when I look back, I'm going to understand the growth that came from these experiences. So I would never have become a physician. I would never have become a medium. I would not be working to help people heal today, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. If I hadn't gone through all those terrible years of not even being able to stand up and cook for my children. I had a stool in the kitchen because I could not stand up long enough to make pancakes for my kids. I had to sit on the stool like my 90 year old something grandmother because I would literally pass out if I didn't. And I was you know, thinking, this is, what is this? This is the rest of my life now. It's going to be, I'm going to be a sick person. But I always tell people nothing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And just in the, you know, in the end, uh, just use everything that you have 
as a resource to heal. Um, also, I just want to make a point of, you know, some many times I get people saying, well, I'm very spiritual. I can heal this. Yes, but why would you use everything you have in the physical world? Sometimes you need a medication. It might even be a pharmaceutical medication, right? Or it could be homeopathy or botanical medicine. But use the things that are available to you in the physical world because your body is in the physical world and needs physical things, (laughs) help from the physical world to heal it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to work on it energetically and emotionally and spiritually as well. Because it's we aren't just physical creatures, but we also aren't just spiritual creatures. Mm -hmm. We are a combination of a physical, energetic, spiritual creature. And so you have to kind of work with all those different modalities to create healing on all the different levels. Mm, Nicely said. That's true. Because, yeah, you don't want to discount spiritual. We don't want to discount the physical. Like, it's we're here. This is it. It's part of it. And Mm -hmm. um, they work together. Um, What are some, because there are a lot of people that struggle with things, even if it's not something like yours, it's more extreme, but just things that are, you know, just disruptive in life or whatever it could be. It doesn't even have to be health, but like, what are a few things that people like uh, me could do that don't necessarily have access or, well, you have access, but don't, we're not getting the messages coming through perhaps, um, but we're interested um, in that. Um, What are some things that we can do to, to like pull in some good energy or, or try to heal energetically, like improve to help us with the physical world, the balance. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, spiritually, the best thing you can do is develop a meditation practice. And uh, even if it's, you know, five minutes a a day in the beginning and work up until you can meditate 30 to 60 minutes a day. And everybody, you know, when I work with people, they say, I can't, my brain just keeps going. And I think Mm -hmm. of my grocery list. Everybody does that, even, you know, spiritual people, even I have a grocery list coming at me sometimes, right? But it gets better as you practice. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are times when, um, you know, your mind seems overactive, but just acknowledge that, okay, that's my grocery list. Acknowledge it and mm-hmm. say, I'm going to put it aside right now and I will look at your grocery list later mm-hmm. and then go back, you know, try and meditate and clear your mind and just uh, be in the present moment, um, you know, bring in the light, mm-hmm whatever light, you know, you can bring white light, pink light, golden light, anything, just fill your body with that and, and listen to music, you know, meditation music, if that helps you. Uh, Some people just prefer the quiet. And in the beginning, when people are learning to create that silence within themselves, even just taking a walk in nature or uh, sitting outside, listening to the birds chirp, you know, anything that sort of grounds you, putting your bare feet uh, on the on the ground to get the negative ions from the earth, um, taking, you know, if you live by the ocean, going to the ocean, get all those negative ions from the water. Uh, if you live by the woods, going to the woods, you know, being bathed in the forest and the mountains. And it's just that the grounding experience. But it's it's creating that stillness that will open up your channels to hear messages and connect with your spirit guides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, I need to do that more. The grounding, mm-hmm. that's very calming and easy to do uh, for anyone. It's accessible to step outside on the grass or, yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, question before we wrap up. Uh, it's always, it's it could go very deep, but... 
I'd be interested in your perspective if you've gotten some messages from your guides. I typically ask almost every guest, you know, what's going on in the world right now? It's crazy. It's always been crazy, but it's extra crazy. I've heard so many things, you know, where paradigms are sh- shifting. We have to go through these things to to grow. And um, there's actually good things coming through and opportunity. And we have to do all this work to, to get, you know, advance. What is... Um, in your own, you know, perception and, and, and maybe messages from your guides, like kind of what is going on and how can we cope? You know, COVID was very stressful. Like you said, there's long COVID. There's still a lot of suffering and chaos. Like, uh, what do we do with all of this? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I would say there was, I mean, when you look at the um, old prophecy from the Incas, there, there's an old prophecy, like, that began, I think, 500 years ago. And they said, you know, we are in the window in a lifetime now where the eagle, which represents the northern hemispheres, and the eagle is representative of like science and, you know, scientific and business and corporations and things like that. And then the condor of the south, um, which is more South America. So the eagle is, is representing the mind and the condor is representing the heart because it's different, the northern and the southern hemisphere of the earth. And according to this old prophecy, we are in the window uh, time right now where the eagle and the condor will fly together. Uh-huh. And so we are learning to integrate the mind with the heart and we're learning there is such a tremendous interest in, in learning um, you know, from the indigenous population on earth, from the shamans in South America, people take trips down there to do awayasca mm-hmm. and have this opening, right? And that's become almost mainstream now. A lot of people know about that, even compared to just a few years ago, there is a knowledge about that. There's a knowledge about the psychedelic mushrooms. There is uh, scientific research going on with doctors, uh, you know, understanding, oh my gosh, here are these uh, medicines of the earth that can help people, you know, even veterans that have PTSD and things like that. And they have a session um, with, you know, ayahuasca or these mushrooms or something. Um, And then basically they heal because there is this window of spirituality that opens up. And that I would say we are learning to, um, we are learning to work together, uh, you know, on the planet itself. And we, there's been so much greed, you know, the, there is this uh, divine feminine, and I talk about it in my book, uh, at the end of the book, the divine feminine that is uh, that is rising. But the way you look at that is the, the world is just made of greed and um, economic power, and each each nation, you know, competes for economic power. And then within each state, within each business, within each individual, it's, you know, it's, there's this big competition of, of creating wealth and, you know, ownership and power mm. versus, uh, you know, we're working with our heart and, and um, creating compassion for each other. Uh, so that, that is the, I would say the, the bulk of the, what we're seeing right now is that, we have to, it's going to be a fight for the, because the people that are in charge. And when you look at the corporations, even just in the United States, there are actually very few people that hold on to a tremendous amount of power in this nation. Right. And they are also the rulers of the nation because they are then tied in politically with bigger you know, organizations. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to money in the end. It's all about money and power. 
So to, we have to, you know, create, we have to bring all these people to the forefront. And there's so many people. And I work with a lot of people that as you know, it's like, you're one of the people you're, you're here to help heal the people. Yeah. And we need, you know, there's thousands of us that are healers. I'm not the only one that have, I feel like we're part of helping create uh, a better world where we have compassion for each other, the more gratitude. Of course, businesses are always going to exist. Um, and, you know, but it's, it's, a, it's a shift of the way we look yeah. at each other and the way we look at the world. Um, why are we having war? Why are we still killing each other? It's like stone age. Yeah. Why, are, why are we having war still? In 2022, we have war in the world. Mm. I thought we had passed that. Yeah. We, you know, there's just so much unnecessary violence that it makes us look um, like we're living in the 12th you know, century instead of 2022. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, we are, we're going to be in this uh, for a bit, you know, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. um, this turbulent, turbulent mess that we have created until we, we have to come together as uh, the human race and maybe, you know, it won't happen until, you know, some alien lands on the earth and then we'll have to unite because they will scare everyone. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like the, the forces have to change. It has, there has to be something, something that brings us together. And mm-hmm. so that, that unites us because mm-hmm. right now we're just uh, hitting heads with each other yeah. within, even within our own country. I mean, I moved to the United States because, um, Growing up in Sweden, it's so close to Russia and right after the World War II and all that. And I was always amazed that in the United States, there were all these different people of all these different races that could live in the same country and all get along. And it was amazing to, you know, grow up in Europe and see the United States. Like, wow, that's an amazing country. They are united, the United States. And now... Uh, it's just been so much, you know, political mayhem (laughs) and people need to learn to, you know, listen to each other and not use violence, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and work things out is the only way we can move forward is to be united. We are powerful uh, people all over the world. Look at the United, you know, United States, we are the leaders of being united. Yeah. So, but until we do it, I mean, we have to start individually, but like you said, it's a collective thing, which that takes a lot of time and effort to work together despite differences, right? So we've got a lot of work to do, but, you know, like you said, things are becoming more mainstream, uh, more holistic approach to health is a big thing with, even with COVID and the vaccines, not that we'll get into that, but just Mm -hmm. people are shifting their thinking. So it is happening in each sector. So I think it's good but it takes time. (laughs) Right. It takes time. Nothing happens overnight as much as you would like. So we need to do a lot of balance and grounding in the meantime to take care of ourselves during some of a lot of the stress, because there is a lot of grief and stress and greed, like you said, being shed and it's very heavy to hold. And so we really have to take care of each other and ourselves. Yeah. And you have to. So when I work with people and I work with ancestral healing, the way I look at it is because we are all connected and we know that we're all connected. We have scientific evidence of that now that we are connected to each other for each person that I heal or for each person that somebody else has healed or for each person that healed themselves. 
it creates healing for the whole world because you are connected as an individual to all of those around you. And when you shift your perception and, and you shift who you are, you become somebody different and that rubs off and connects with other people. And so for each person that we heal, it creates a, uh, you know, a global consciousness and there are studies now that are done, you know, out of Princeton university on global consciousness and what happens when there are big events in the world and they can see the, the, um, these meters change because of the global consciousness, because we are all connected you know, to each other on, on the, in the world Mm -hmm. and to the plants and to the animals. It's all a big spider web. Mm -hmm. And as each of us heal, as each of us find healing and peace and gratitude and compassion within our own heart, then that then goes out to other people. That's true. The ripple effect, (laughs) right? (laughs) True. That's that's very beautifully said. Well, thank you for your perspective and um, wisdom on that. Um, So I appreciate your work. I appreciate you and your sharing your story. Thank you for helping people heal. And um, where can people find you so they can find your book, find your work? So my book is available in paperback or on audio, um, of course, on Amazon and on Audible. Uh, also on Barnes and Nobles and many other online platforms throughout the world. And my websites, I have two websites. Uh, One is called divinespiritualessence.com. And there you can book uh, sessions with me as a medical intuitive or medium or psychic, you know, readings, whatever, or or ancestral healing as well. I do a lot of that. And then I have my Dr. Lottie, D-R-L-O-T-T-E, which is... um, the two websites are connected, so you can go from one to the other. But that has more about what I do medically with people. Um, and then uh, th- from the Divine Spiritual Essence, you can also find my uh, ancestral healing, um, Healing the Mother Wound, which is a collaboration with HemiSync, if people know about HemiSync. Um, uh, they have many, many different um, titles and meditations and things like that on their website. Uh, so you can just download that. That's available in CD and in download. And then um, I also run a podcast where I interview doctors and healers of uh, different backgrounds. And that's called Dr. Lottie Science with Soul. Very cool. Wow. We've got a lot of cool uh, channels. So we're going to, we'll put all of them you know, in the show notes for sure. So people can find, find information about you and, and what you're doing. That's amazing. I really appreciate you being on the show. This is a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and to everybody listening, much love and healing to you and sending good vibes out to you no matter what you're going through. So, yeah. Thank you.